my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hi, I'm Sam Edis. And I'm Amy Nelson. Welcome to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. This is a show about the world's most remarkable women, their professional and personal journeys. Together, we'll hear from gold medalists, best-selling authors, and leaders of the world's most iconic brands. Today, we bring you the second part of our conversation with Austin Channing Brown thought leader, speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. If you didn't catch part one, we left off with us talking about how Austin is changing her trainings to ensure people of color feel seen and heard as the emphasis, rather than focusing on white people's understanding of racial injustice. As a speaker, as an educator, you're constantly learning, right? So it's like you're, sure. you're never done. You're always. No, no yeah. I am always evolving. And it's one reason why I love doing what I'm doing, because I get to learn from people all over the country. I get asked questions in all kinds of different contexts from churches to schools to corporations, right? I get to hear about how is race operating on the ground in people's daily lives every day. And that learning for me 
right, that informs how I do this work. And honestly, in, in some ways, it keeps me excited about the work, right? So now it isn't just a daily trudge to like count the number of white people on my whiteboard, right? How many white people have I transformed this week? You know, now it is about how I show up in this work, how I bring joy to this work, how my workshops and lectures or whatever hopefully feel different from that of others. And in some ways, it's a great um, experiment because what I'm trying to prove is that centering Black women is a more effective way of teaching everybody than just teaching to the white people and hoping that they get it, mm-hmm. right? Because that's how we that. do education, right? That's where we started this conversation, right? That yeah. education is for white people by white people. But what if, what if we actually taught from the perspective and with the emotional um, carefulness of Black women in the seats? How would that transform the way everybody is being educated? It's the experiment of my life. What's the next book about? Fingers crossed. The next book is a young reader's version of I'm Still Here. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Good. Fingers oh, crossed. It's awesome. for all the Black girls out there who are the only ones in the classroom. That's great. So you talked about affording this home that you never mm-hmm. thought possible a lot of what Amy and I talk about on the show is women and money and the importance of yeah. financial independence. So, sure. so <laughs> talk to us about how, how you were able to create this incredible home for yourself. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so when I first started my blog, um, it was during that time when I was like in the process of being let go <laughs> slash asked to leave. Um, <laughs> and there were some key women who found the blog. And after four years, that led to an editor who wanted a book, who wanted, you know, the publisher, who wanted, right? And it's sort of this like evolving career. And um, I, I, I still remember the day I got paid $1,000 to speak somewhere and was like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) For a girl who just wanted to afford some Cheez-Its and a chocolate shake, that was crazy. (laughs) You're going to give me $1,000 to talk for like 30 minutes. That's bananas. Um, But I was determined. Gosh, there were so many things I was determined to do. I was determined to be a black woman who could always choose freedom. All the way from the life that I want, right? Living where I want to live. Um, But even down to, do I want Cheez-Its this week? You know what I mean? Like even those little tiny decisions that bring joy and pleasure to my life, you know, but it still took, I mean, my, my husband and I have been married for 11 years and this is our first home. 
So we have been broke, broke. We have been living in apartments for our entire marriage and previous <laughs> before we got married. Um, and at the beginning of 2020, if you had asked me if I would be purchasing a home by the end of the year, I would have laughed. I'd be like, ah, that's so cute. <laughs> right? That's such a cute question. If you had asked me by March when the pandemic hit, I would have cried. <laughs> okay, I would have sobbed. Like, I'm never, I'm never going to own a home. It's not ever going to happen. And the truth is, is it took a little bit of a miracle. It took Reese Witherspoon choosing to put my book as her book club pick during this national moment of unrest. And I confess to you all, that's a hard thing to swallow, right? So this, the purchase of this house is a culmination of both everyday work that I've been doing over the last 10 years, right? But it is also this monumental thing that happened in my life because an unarmed Black man died over what someone believed to be a counterfeit $20 bill. Hmm. And I don't really know what to do. <laughs> I don't really know what to do with that. But that's the truth, right? That it took all of that building, but it also took this influx of a royalties check that I never could have imagined in order to do a down payment, in order to do the, you know, all the, the big things. It's just ridiculous. Okay, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tirade here. It is utterly ridiculous that for 10 years I have been paying in rent what I pay as a mortgage. Oh, I... Right? But that okay, I couldn't so buy a house because I didn't have enough cash on hand to go through the process of paying what I pay as rent for the last decade. I needed a miracle, I needed a tragedy to happen in order for me to have a house so that my kid can play in the backyard, so that my dog can play in the backyard. Well, and I just, I mean, there's so much to say about all this, right? But I think that home ownership is one of the biggest modern examples of the legacy of white supremacy and yes. how it's played out over the past decades. Because yes. white homeowners prevented Black families from buying homes post-World War II when the, the one time in American history when it was something that was attainable to, to middle class and, and lower middle class folks. Yes. And then you get generational wealth from buying a house and selling a house. And like, and, and we don't talk about it, but we should. I mean, it, like it really is like it is just like it's insane. And it's so clear. Right. So and that's clear. what's that's yeah. what's frustrating for black people, black women, is that <laughs> white people like to tell themselves this story that your grandfather came over with five dollars in his pocket from some European country yeah. and like built himself up. Right. But the part of the story that we don't tell is that he wasn't competing against a black workforce because I couldn't apply for a job that he was applying mm -hmm. for, right? The part of the story we don't tell is that if he employed me, he didn't have to pay me any sort of wage if he didn't feel like it that day because there were no repercussions if he decided not to give me my $2.50 at the end of the week, right? What we don't tell is that the government bent over backwards 
to make sure you could be a part of this new middle-class suburban life. And now you're worried about welfare? Now? Mm -hmm. And white people sure don't like to talk about that home that they sold, the vacation home that their parents sold, the trust fund that their parents gave Mm -hmm. them, the, you know. And it is frustrating that a miracle and a tragedy had to happen in order for me to become a homeowner. And now for a quick break. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There is an interesting piece of your story, which is that it was 10 years of very hard work that positioned you to take advantage of this luck, right? So I think that's such a critical part of the story is that you worked your ass off for this moment to happen. That's right. That's right. So paying what I pay now in a mortgage 
right? Paying that as rent still required me to make sure that I had a certain number of speaking gigs, that I had a certain advance from the book, that I was able to make good on that advance so that I would have royalties at all. I mean, this was all extraordinarily risky. And in fact, while I wrote the book, I was a resident director at a college where I maintained a dormitory of 240 18 and 19 year olds making less than $20,000 a year because they paid for my room and board. Wow. So Austin, there's two more big questions I want us to ask. Aim, do you want to ask Austin about her marriage? And, and then I'll ask my final question. Sure, Sam. I'll ask Austin about her marriage. Thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Aim. What do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I, I mean, so you guys have been together a really long time. Mm -hmm. And so how do you support one another? Oh my Lord, that's such a wonderful question. So I met my husband as a senior in college and I had absolutely no expectations that I would get married before 34, okay? I was such a nerd. Oh my God, I was such a nerd. I had been a minister ordained in the church at like 14. So nobody <laughs> was interested. Nobody wanted to date your girl, Right. I was like the perfect best friend. I imagine like the 40 year old men would be interested in once I was 35. Right. And they wanted to settle down and maybe like my nerdiness was appealing by then. <laughs> <laughs> so when I met him at 21, I was like, oh, this is this adulthood thing is already going differently than I had planned. <laughs> and it was oh a struggle God. because I was so young. I, so I got married at 24 which at the then felt like, oh, I am super grown. And now I'm like, what the hell were my parents thinking? Into this? <laughs> I was like, nobody, nobody discouraged this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really, really grateful for the man that I married. And I'm going to fast forward through that first decade um, to like the last the last three years, because it's been the last three years that the book released, that I've had to travel for my job, that I've had a son that, right, that our world has become completely different from what it was in that first seven years. And um, I couldn't be more grateful for my partner. He has no desire for this spotlight that I have. Sometimes when we travel, here's a good example. Sometimes when he comes and travels with me, um, a man will pull him aside and will be like, so how does it feel to like walk around with Austin with like this spotlight on her and you're like carrying her suitcase, you know? And he'll be like, explain to me what it is that you mean. I don't know what you mean. She is my wife. And I'm extraordinarily proud of her. Did you hear what she had to say? That was brilliant. Oh, <laughs> right? Man. Like he is <laughs> That's awesome. so proud and so supportive. And I'll tell y'all, you know, I, I finished editing the book when my son was born. And so my husband had to come home and take the baby so that I could finish mm. editing this book. 
And then in my son's first year of life, I had to get on and off planes, leaving my husband with the baby by himself. And thankfully, we weren't alone. My parents or his parents would come up and help. And they were very committed to coming at least once a month. So he wasn't by himself. But often he was. Often it was just him and a newborn baby. And um, he continues to love me in ways that I know not every woman has, you know? Mm -hmm. And that came after a lot of conversations, friends. He was not born this way. It came after a lot of hard fought conversations. It came after me being honest about how much I love my career and that if I had a child, we would have to be real thoughtful about how the labor of that gets split. Um, It has been miraculous to watch my husband move in and out of what is thought of a very patriarchal way of being. So by that, I mean, when we were broke, broke and Detroit slid into the river, my husband got the first job that he was offered because he was going to take care of his wife, right? But in Mm -hmm. the same token, he's also going to take care of the baby while his wife goes to work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is really, really beautiful. And I'm really, really grateful. What was that first job I have to ask? It was, it was working at um, a high school on the west side of Chicago. That was really hard and really dangerous. It was, it was one of those schools where the police have a office inside the school. So he was regularly watching kids get tasered. He went to more funerals than any, you know, person who works at a high school should have to go to. Um, it was it was rough, and he was there for four years because we needed the financial stability. In what capacity? What was his role there? He was a guidance counselor. So my my husband is actually oh. an attorney. So he stopped practicing. And took a job as a counsel student. Wow. Yeah, guidance counselor in this school where I was worried for his safety every day mm. so that wow. we could live. And now for a quick break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. So speaking of police, I I read with a lot of interest the chapter about your cousin who was a victim of the three strikes law and then another victim in prison of a, a freak accident. But what role does our beyond flawed prison system Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. have in race in America and holding people back? Yeah. The prison industrial complex was built on America's obsession with slavery and anger that slavery had ended. The prison industrial complex was a workaround for the ending of slavery. So the formal institution of slavery ends, and then we get the rise of black codes, which um, are laws specifically that black people must follow or else spend their servitude in prison. And like the most stupid laws ever, like a certain number of you can't gather at the same time or if you steal a pig, or if you penalizing normalcy, that's what it was. It was penalizing Mm. that black people could actually live a normal life in the same way that white people live normal lives. Mm -hmm. When those things were violated, when normal life (laughs) was violated, um, being able to throw us into back into slavery back into working for no wages. And it was those um, convicts who built our roads and who erected our state buildings and who were the labor force required to enter into the 1900s. There is a direct line to criminalizing blackness that still exists today. My cousin was guilty. He absolutely sold drugs. There's no question about it. And he got caught on more than one occasion. He also got pulled over for no reason other than he was a black man. He also got violated in the streets, police pulling his clothes off, searching his body cavities because he was a black man and they could. He was also violated by 
the education system that he had, by the lack of opportunities he had to pursue whatever dreams he thought of for himself, by a lack of opportunity and access, but the ever presence of police Hmm. waiting. And at some point I had to ask myself, even if black men are guilty, is this what the payment for that crime should be? That's right. Right? Even if my cousin is guilty, do I think he should lose at minimum 10 years of his life? Do I think that even if, a, if someone who is convicted is guilty, that they should be held in solitary confinement? It, nothing is sicker. I mean, our penal system is so sick. Today, I post an article about there's a, fi- a man who's in his 80s now who just was released from jail after being put there since he was 15 years old. Like, <sighs> what sickness is happening in this country that we do this to people? It's sick. Racism. Like, literally, I mean, Austin, it's it, like when you say, like, was your cousin guilty of selling drugs? Yes. But the entire reason that drugs are illegal is because we needed to find something to imprison people of color. Like there are actual recordings of then President Nixon saying that. Of course. Like, right? like let's make it illegal and then That's let's right. put drugs in communities of color. That's right. And then let's arrest people. That's right. Of color. <laughs> like, That's right. And like, and like we all live in this world where we continue to accept that. Mm-hmm. Because we believe that blackness is already guilty. Right? Yes. We believe that blackness is what is guilty. Right? Because... It is normal for white people to commit crimes. White people sell drugs. White people do drugs. White people murder other folks. White people commit domestic violence. White people, like white people do, white people commit crimes. And many of them start quite young. (laughs) Teenagers (laughs) running red lights and doing, you know what I mean? Like it often escalates from driving or drugs, right? And like white people, white people commit crimes all the time. But they don't get accused at the same rate. Uh, it is the point of the show where we do a quick lightning round. Of course. What are you reading? I am reading The Sum of All Things by Heather Mickey. And what do you and Tommy watch at night on TV? Right now we're watching Good Girls on Netflix. What is that? Did, I don't think it's on my list. Should it be? It's a show about three women who commit crimes. <laughs> Sounds like a good one. What is your nighttime routine? Right now it's putting my toddler to bed, but I wish it was (laughs) a workout, a shower, my face care, and climbing into bed in an ideal situation. Okay, final question from me is who leaves you starstruck? Oh, so many people. Um, I think the top of that list are like the big three, right? Oprah, Michelle Obama, Barack Obama. They just amaze me. I just, I just want to like hug Oprah. Sometimes I dream about her. I dream about Oprah on a regular basis. I've spent my entire life obsessed with Oprah. I once at Kmart found this Oprah. It was, I mean, I'm dating myself now, but it was a VCR <laughs> tape of Oprah on some weight loss journey. And I wasn't interested in the weight loss journey, but I think I watched it a hundred times just because I'm so obsessed with her and I cry every time. I, I dream about just chatting with her. Like I don't dream about being on her show. I don't dream about like her favorite things. I dream about like being in her garden. I dream about being at her table. Oh, like her Montecito table. It's like, yeah, of course. Like Very godmother-ish. 
And did you see that Gail lived there for like a large part of okay, the pandemic? Okay, can we talk about their friendship, which <gasps> I am completely obsessed with? Oh my gosh, with. it's like my Michael, fantasy. Why isn't there a show following them? Oh my God, I'm obsessed I don't understand. with their friendship. I feel like it's the key to her success is that friendship. Oh, I'm, I'm obsessed. I love yes. the two of them. I love them too. Okay, sorry. Okay, we'll stop. Lou. Hello, <laughs> Lou. <laughs> I love black people, you know. Amen. You know, I do. Me too. It's, it's, Me too. I'm, I'm I'm a part of so many different organizations, um, and being being a part of this show gives me the, the opportunity to meet people like you. I'm a, I'm a black man who's been struggling with so many different things in my life, and I'm finally starting to get like I'm on like the curve of it all, but it's still an uphill climb, yes. you know. And, and I'm and yes. I'm and I'm willing to go on that journey, you know. Um, and, and one of them is is uh, financial literacy. You know, I'm on this journey right now to 100k. You know, and I, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. I'm I'm like pumped. Yeah. You know, and I and I got yes. these different avenues that that I'm exploring. As I'm on this journey, I'm starting to inspire my friends, and I'm starting to like share these things with them, and I'm starting to see how a lot of them just like like clueless to it. And I was like, now I'm getting a chance to realize how I was nine, ten, eleven, twelve months ago. Sure. You know, sure. and and I've battled with racial injustice, you know. That's right. So when That's I think right. of racial injustice, the fact that there is no education, like, yes, directly uh, 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 pointed at the black community to say, hey, you, you this is how you get out of here. This is how we make the yep. community better. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how you you create wealth by using these different tools. So when you when you talk about racial injustice, um and also finances and stuff like that. Uh, what 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 does that sound like? Yeah. So first, let me say um, that for folks who are interested in this conversation from a historic perspective, I really I'm staring at it right now so that I can get the title right. I highly suggest a book called The Color of Money, and it is about um, the the history, uh, for lack of a better word, she, the author might not phrase it this way, but the history of shutting Black people out of financial literacy. And what we have constantly done to try to overcome that, (laughs) you know, from the boycotts that we've had, right, to the black banks that we once had to, you know, and trying to sort of destroy this myth that that we just don't care, right, that we're just not interested, um, that we're too short sighted that we are naturally different and inferior in the way we think about money. And so... First, I just want to say that you are a part of a legacy, right? That you are a part of a black legacy that is trying to overcome a system that was not built for us and in fact was built against us. And you're not alone in that. Just last week, I was um, at my father-in-law's house and my father-in-law is not rich, but he was a part of the black middle class that came from the South up to the North to work at the factories at Ford. And so um, he is solidly stable. My man still lives in the hood, but he, <laughs> he didn't have to if he didn't love his neighborhood so much. OK, if he didn't love the city so much, he could move if he wanted to. And my husband and I were talking to him about financial planning. We were talking to him about retirement, about how to create passive income about how to make sure that when he can no longer work at the factory, that he and my mother-in-law can still live good lives where they can decide if they want the yeah. cheeses, right? 
<laughs> he said to me and my husband, he said, you know what? Here's the truth. The truth is that I know I should be making investments. I know he's like, I have the money. I have the money to be able to try some things and to take on some risk. He said, but I've been afraid of being taken for everything that I've got. I am afraid to trust white people. I am afraid to tell them really how much I make. I am afraid that they will not treat me fairly or equally. Right? So here's someone who could, who has the means, doesn't have the faith and doesn't have the faith for really good reasons. Right? So I say all that to say that you are not alone in that, right? And that we are constantly fighting two battles. And one is the history of being shut out. And two is the fear that whiteness will find a way to continue to shut us out. And so what we have to do as a community is one, share the knowledge that we do have, right? And be willing to support one another, right? So my husband and I didn't walk away from that conversation and go, well, dad, you know, you really should. We were like, I got someone for you to talk to. I have someone that I will vouch for. And we will sit in that conversation with you to make sure you understand every single thing being said so that you feel confident in what decisions you're about to make, right? That this isn't just about sharing information. It really is about finding the people that we trust, finding the people who also love black people. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, I I also seen a tweet about Amend the show. Uh, Can we talk about Amend? I started watching it too. Have you started it? What did you think? The first episode just like took me back. I had I I got out the episode and I was like, "Whoa, what a journey!" You know, because it it really (laughs) dives deep into Frederick Douglass, and I was like, "I'm so." I wanted to research him more, and I'm like, "Wow, this man who literally (laughs) pulled himself up by his bootstraps." You know, that's right. Like, um. as, as all enslaved people did, yeah, right? And this is what American history will not recognize is that for anyone who was enslaved, right? To fight for their freedom, to live well, to keep their family together is miraculous. Yeah. There is no reason why black people should have made it in this country, but we're yeah. still here. Well, Sam, <laughs> That conversation was just, it was a lot. I learned a lot. I learned so much. She's so brilliant. And I just, there's just something so lovable about her. I think a part of the conversation that I was really into was the part about becoming a homeowner and how the system is so, so just weighted against anyone who doesn't have family money, who didn't grow up white. We don't talk a lot about home ownership in America and the and the legacy of white supremacy and how it just carries on through each generation. And and for me, you know, I am very guilty of constantly saying I'm listening and I'm learning and not doing enough. Uh, and I think that in home ownership, it's it's a collective like, what do we do? How do we change that for the for our generation, not just the next generation, like for us, right? So how do we how do we change that for our peers? Well, and ever since our conversation with Austin, I've been thinking about the the prison system and how 
horrific the injustice is in our supposed justice system. And it, it just, it kills me. She also recommended this book, The Color of Money, which I bought a copy for me and I bought a copy for Lou and um, I can't wait to read it. But I think that so often, you know, we only see the books that are on the bestseller list and don't realize how many other incredible works there are for us to dig into. Thanks for listening to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We would so appreciate if you would leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, connect with us on social media at What's Her Story Podcast. What's Her Story with Sam and Amy is powered by my company, The Riveter, at theriveter.co and Sam's company, Park Place Payments, at parkplacepayments.com. Thanks to our producer and editor, Laurel Moglin, our podcast associate, Phoebe Cranefuss, and our male perspective, Lou Burns. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.